Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another, another episode of Stock Talk. Uh, my name is Amin Reyna, I'm an investment coach here at Sage Investors, and this is episode 48. And today I want to talk a little bit about ETFs, specifically the kind of race to the bottom that seems to be going on with various ETF companies in terms of lowering their costs. Uh, there's just been like, especially in the United States, there's just been a pretty crazy price war between a lot of the, the big player, big name ETF companies in terms of lowering their MER costs. For example, BlackRock just recently announced that some of their funds, they've lowered their MER, the management expense ratio, um, on some of their ETFs down to 0.04% or four basis points. And it was just after they announced that, Charles Schwab, another big player in the ETF market, uh, they matched. And uh, so it's just a lot, it's almost like a big race to the bottom in terms of lowering their lowering ETF costs, which is again, making a, a good uh, business case. Uh, if you're interested in investing in ETFs, why ETFs are a bit of a good value proposition in terms of costs. They're just, they're cheap. They're practically cost nothing. And uh, it's happening. The, you know, the question is, when are you gonna get into the world where we're gonna have zero you know, free ETFs? Uh, zero cost ETFs, and it's already happening because uh, I believe there's one small firm, a boutique firm called Cambria Global Asset Management. Uh, some of their European ETFs, they're charging like zero percent, so there's no there's no costs. So um, wow, it's kind of crazy. And there's actually now starting to hear some talk now uh, about charging negative <laughs> costs. Believe it, you know we hear so much about negative interest rates. Well, we're now starting to hear about negative MERs which is basically tantamount to a rebate. Basically, you're getting paid as an investor. I would get paid to hold uh, a specific ETF. And so I get you know a little bit of a disc. In a way, I'm kind of getting a discount um, to do that. So that's great for you and I. That's awesome in terms of uh, lowering a cost. That's one of the core uh, things we want to try and do with our investment when we make investment decision, decisions is to minimize our costs as much as we can so we keep more money in our pocket. The question I always keep asking myself is, okay, if costs are coming down ridiculously to a ridiculous level, like what's the point for these companies? What's the value proposition? Why, how do these companies make money? If you're charging people nothing to own your fund or you're paying people now, if you're thinking of actually paying people to model, how do you make money? And I've really scratched my head on this kind of thing and trying to figure this out. And actually got a little bit of an answer. I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal like a couple of weeks ago and they kind of opened the door a little bit, kind of like Oz, um, in terms of how these ETFs can thrive and sustain themselves in this hyper-competitive, low-cost market. And the answer really is it's lending. Um, what these ETF uh, companies do quite a bit is they lend their securities to other companies, other brokerage companies, other financial institutions, brokerage companies, hedge funds. Um, why would they want to do that? Well, because, for example, a hedge fund or a brokerage company might want to, um, they might be some of their customers want to short the market or short uh, specific indexes, and so they'll need to borrow um, stock to, to go short, and then ultimately hoping that the stock, the ETF, or the, the index will go down lower and uh, they'll make money off it. So they'll come to ETF. Um, so the brokerage companies and hedge funds will come to the ETF company and say, hey, can we can you issue some more ETF so we can lend it out? We'll pay you back. And uh, that's that's they make money doing that. And in fact, they make obviously more money doing that than they do um, just selling it to you and I, because clearly they're charging us nothing. So usually the way the, 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 the money works is that um, the cost of doing that are the collateral you need to have a let the company needs to have about 102% of capital that seems to be the going rate and then the ETF company will charge a fee on top of it 
Net result at the end of the day, after all the mechanics of it are done, um, the ROI for the ETF company on this type of transaction will range between, on average, between three basis points, 0.03% and 0.1%, which doesn't sound like a hell of a lot of a return, but we're not talking about, you know, lending out 100 shares here. They're lending out hundreds of millions and billions of dollars out here. So the numbers, the, the, the return can add up pretty nicely. And actually, in the article, they actually uh, cited a couple of examples, a couple of ETFs out there. The one was the iShares Russell 2000 Index, which is a pretty broad-based ETF. Um, they generated $72 million in lending fees last year. And that's on top of the $53 million in management fees that they collected. So that's just one ETF. And so if you can imagine having a stable, a wide variety, a stable of ETFs, um, and you'll be able to generate that kind of return pretty seamlessly, lending your shares out and you know being kind of a lender out there, um, that's not a bad business to be in. So it kind of was like, oh, okay, now it kind of seems to come together a little bit. So what's their incentive? The big incentive for ETFs is they're willing to absorb the cost of getting you and I to buy it, to bump up the assets, to increase the liquidity of, the, of that ETF to make it more attractive. And if it's more attractive, it's, if it's trading more effectively, then you're gonna get attract more business from the institutional side who's gonna use it to borrow, go short, and to do whatever financial engineering or complete or fill in the blanks and some kind of whatever financial transactions they're undertaking. So it's a circle of life, isn't it? So I thought I wanted to share that with you because it's just something you're not gonna hear about. And I found it really interesting that uh, that kind of uh, curtain was open slightly and I'm sure there's other reasons out there and I'm sure what if I find them I'm more than happy to share them with you but I thought I'd share it with you um, like that <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have for you today um, if you have any questions about this or any other previous episodes of stock talk that I've, uh, I've done feel free to contact me through Twitter my handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there tweeting all the time. My personal investment decisions, uh, my personal observations on the markets. Or you can hit me through my website, www.sageinvestors.ca. Hit me through an email. I'm more than happy to, uh, to chat and respond to you there. So that's all I got for you today. It's uh, another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and uh, we'll catch you again another time. Cheers. Cheers.